Hi, my name's Brian, and like most of you, I'm staying at home during the pandemic. To pass the time, I decided to get some of my friends on the record about what they're cooking, how they're doing, and anything else that might be on their minds. Join me on What's Eating You. Recently, I called my old friend, Dan Lee. Pre-COVID, Dan drove across country, moving his life and his family to what would quickly become far more than he bargained for. In this episode, we talk about off-brand Twizzlers, Soviet America, and chasing the perfect broth. Thanks for doing this, Dan. How are you, Ben? Oh, Brian, thanks for having me. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Appreciate uh, getting on the line. You are you are absolutely my most dedicated listener, I, I would say. Thank you. I appreciate that. Glad to know that, too. And so, you know, I thought I would branch out from people I work with to people I used to live with, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. not really that far. Afield, best, best friend. I get it. Yeah. People whose weddings I've been in, you know? There you go. In the <laughs> wedding, not at the wedding. In, in the wedding. Yeah. In. Well, you've got to play the number. It's like the Facebook game, right? Like uh, how many groomsmen are there? And then like that ratio should be the number of weddings you are reciprocal or how many groomsmen you will have. That's true. And I've I've been to a lot of weddings, obviously, Mm -hmm. but not been in a lot. I guess I was in one last fall. There you go. And then yours, what, five years before that? (laughs) Five years ago, almost uh, what? Memorial Day weekend. Nine days from now. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remember making that flight to, to Louisville, Kentucky, Memorial Day yes, weekend. Yes, sir. Debating driving it. And I was like, you know, is 12 hours really worth that? No, it turns out it wasn't. <laughs> Your time is pretty valuable now. Yeah, it's very. Yeah. Even then. Even then. But a long way from Louisville and um, Norfolk, I guess, Virginia. Yeah. Although people mix it up with the Connecticut one. But that's actually different, right? Norfolk. That's Norwalk. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's not yeah. Norfolk. Norfolk is there. Do people mix up or is that just me mixing them up? I think that's just me, me and you. Like, yeah. I remember for the first year, yeah. Like having known those two places. And we used to drive that exit all the time too. Yeah. Like, having gone to a school in Connecticut. Is that the code? Um, having gone to a school in Connecticut, I'm very familiar with Norwalk. Yeah. I went to a school just further up the up uh, I-95. Yeah. Quinnipiac? Oh, no, the other one. Yeah. Well, if your time has gotten any less valuable, you can always drive out to San Francisco where I'm at now. <laughs> it's a drive. Uh, uh, travel is, is something I hear that's uh, at a premium these days. Well, that's why you're driving yourself. Yeah. You're uh, completely contained. There are no bathrooms, though. But I think in like certain parts of like west of Nebraska, that's just de facto anyways. I can eat in my car the entire, the entire trip, do pickup and delivery um, yeah. to, my, to my car side, curbside. Mm-hmm. And um, sleep rough, you know. That's always yeah. Save you the hotel bill. There you go. And gas is incredibly cheap right now. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. It's a trip worth doing. The sunny side. The sunny side of life. Family. So I will just a quick car trip. So I drove here to move like the car and the dog. All right. And so because you have you have dogs, a wife and a child now, and you yeah. were only responsible for the dogs. Yes, I. <laughs> I had to drive two dogs across the country. We didn't want to fly them. And we had to move the car. Right. So I had a pretty good, it was a four-day trip. 
three nights, four days. And then again, like the wife's family's in Louisville where the, the wedding was. Um, so that was like the first leg, you know, Virginia, Eastern Virginia to Louisville. And it's very like that part of America is very dense relative to like the West. So it's like, and we've driven it before. So it's like, I know where the gas stations are. I know where the like places to eat. Like I typically like to stay at Panera's. Like it's just, it, it helps me go. Like I don't feel too sloggy the next day. So from Louisville or Virginia to Louisville, first leg was fine. I had my, like the stops, good cadence. It was about 10, 11 hours. Uh, it was great. And this, we weren't in COVID America, so I could like run in and go use the bathroom. It was great. And the second leg was um, Louisville to, I believe, Omaha. Yeah. So then again, you're going through St. Louis. There's like cities that you stop on and there's, there's always like a rest stop. So that wasn't too bad either. And that was like, a, again, a 10 hour drive. So I woke up early. I finished at like four, got to go to the hotel, like shower, relax, eat dinner and go to go to bed at a reasonable hour. Um, the problem happens from Omaha, Nebraska to Salt Lake City. All right. So that leg, there are no cities. And you'd always think like having lived predominantly on the East Coast, you think like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, like there'll just be a stop along the way. Like, I don't know what the city's name is. I don't know what town I'll be in, but there'll be a town and there'll be at least a McDonald's and a gas station. And I kid you not for like 800 miles, there was nothing, absolutely nothing. And so that day, like there was one part of that day, that drive where I was just like, I'm just so hungry. Like I'm, I can't, like, I can't describe it. And I'm not like physically active. So it's not like that kind of hunger. It was just like, there's nothing in my stomach. I didn't plan for this. I, I wasn't going to like, and so that was the other thing, like no being, snacks. You had no snacks. Four, with yeah. Being a four day drive. I didn't want to bring snacks because it'd be just unhealthy. And I'm like, I'm going to eat like good, healthy, three good, healthy meals every day. It helped get me out of the car that way. Like I don't get too exhausted. Like I didn't want the last leg through, through uh, the Rocky mountains to be like me on the edge of exhaustion. Cause I just ate junk food for three days before that. Um, and then, so I had no snacks. And like, I just remember it was like 3.30. I'm in the middle of, I think like, ne what's the state west of Nebraska? Like Wyoming, like lower Wyoming, like upper. Colorado-ish. Yeah. yeah. I, don't think, I don't know if I got into Colorado. Maybe I skimmed it. And there was just like an unbranded gas station with like gravel, like not even paved, just gravel. And it just rained. And I remember like, I, I was just like so hungry. Like I need gas and I go in there and there wasn't even like the food wasn't even like a bag of Cheetos. It was like off-brand Cheetos. This is like fallout stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take the new Coca-Cola, please. <laughs> it was like a fallout gas station. And I was just like, I was just grabbing things. Like didn't know what the price was. Like just like, all right, I'm going to, and it was like the worst snack, like off-brand snack. And I'm just like in the car, just like talking licorice. Like num, num, num. <laughs> it was just like, I was like, I can't believe this is, this is like such a weird part of like, we're never going to run out of space in America. Americans, we will never run out of space. If you have COVID, go to this part of Nebraska. There is just, there are no gas stations. Open up a Panera Bread. You'll, you'll be rich. Um, but how many cars do you think go through there every day? Not many. I was <laughs> but in the new COVID America, I'm telling you, start a Chick-fil-A, Panera, whatever franchise. Just open it up on those highways. Man, you'll be golden. You'll, you'll at least win me over. Um, and Brian, when he drives over, of course. So, yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. Mm -hmm. So, so that is that what fueled your desire to do healthy home cooked meals? 
Uh, I know you've been doing a lot of that now in, in pandemic times. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a so the weird thing about San Francisco food culture is it's I think it's it's good out of necessity. And somebody posted a theory that, which I think I believe. I don't know how how common it is, but there's so many companies that provide meals uh, meals in house that in order to be attractive to walk away from a free meal or just walk to be able to attain a meal, um, you have to be very good, right? So like Google provides three meals a day. Um, our company provides one, like, and you only really need to eat like one and a half, you know, at work, right? You just need lunch or like a big breakfast. Um, so like, there's not a lot of incentives for people to go out and eat, right? So that's why food is really good or one theory and then like there's also like california and you get all the produce i think that's to a lesser extent i think mm. transportation is good enough that like people can travel you know like good produce can travel out very easily you know i heard there's avocados from mexico <laughs> i remember the super bowl there's avocados from mexico yeah so like you know you go to the grocery store and you see things from like chile right mm, like mm. strawberries the next day so like yep. i don't think it's a logistical problem to get really good produce that being said like so you had a lot of good restaurants, uh, a lot of like, again, like companies would provide many meals a day. Um, so like we never really had the like I've never before the pandemic, like it never was top of mind to find food. Right. Like if we skip dinner, I would just wait to go to work the next day and eat a big lunch or breakfast or whatever they're serving. Um, so like it wasn't really a big concern to, to cook. And so the first issue was when they instituted work from home. And when they instituted work from home, you then have to eat three meals a day from home or find three meals a day somewhere. Um, the second thing that compounded it was that uh, like a lot of restaurants had to transition. I think a lot of them now are doing takeoff, but like there was takeout, but there was like this period where like uh, restaurants who typically were dine-in or had a big emphasis on a dine-in menu had trouble transitioning. Like they didn't know what to do. They thought it was temporary, maybe like we'll shut down for two weeks. Um, and now a lot of them have transitioned to, uh, to takeout. Um, and the third problem was the like just all the panic buying. Like I remember going to Costco in Berkeley, and I think I think I sent you the picture where there was a line on the line was so long it wrapped around two faces of the Costco. And those are the two I can see, right? <laughs> so it could have been longer, like it could have wrapped around the other two faces that I couldn't see. Um, and it was just like, this is unbelievable. Like, I'm like, it's crazy. So like, what do I do? Like, there's just, and it just, that reinforces like the panic mentality. Like, oh, if I finally do get inside Costco, like I'm going to buy just, I'm going to go bananas. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's funny when we speak about home cooking and eating real eating really well. My I remember like getting into Costco. The the one time I was able to get into Costco, there was just nothing. Like all the freezer, like the aisles are, and so like it was only the weird stuff that was left. Um, and I just remember seeing crab legs, like the the not the not the like little skinny ones. I'm talking like the king crab leg, like the ones that are the size of your wrist. And I remember thinking like, one is like, this is the only thing that's available. It's like, and if I'm gonna cook at home, I'm gonna cook well, like I'm gonna get some good stuff, right? Like, I don't think this is gonna be my last meal. I wasn't like mentally being like, I'm gonna die. But I was just like, hey, if I'm gonna cook, like, and I'm gonna cook from home, like I'm not gonna just eat beans and rice every day. Like, I'm gonna go in and get some crab legs. So 
So that started it. Um, like just this panic of like, how do we fill up three meals a day, three meals a day for three people. So like we need nine meals. How do we get that variety? We're, we're coming from a place where again, like the food culture here, like we never had to cook. This wasn't top of mind. And like, you can easily skimp a meal or, uh, like dinner was not, didn't have to be the pinnacle of the day. Cause like you could stretch and snack and, and grab sustenance from other places and, and, like even something as simple as like something we used to do is just like go out, go for a walk, grab a coffee, um, and then you grab a scone or something or some like pastry. So that that provided some sustenance and you, it put less reliance on you preparing food at home. So you might have like a dinner, but it'd be like, you know, a, a something lighter. Um, so that transition has been like was pretty chaotic for a good month, I would say, like of like, what do we cook? How do we cook? more more variety at home and like create kind of just this a menu that we could survive and like be happy with eating um one and then two it's like physically getting the goods and like going to the grocery store getting in line like um i think we've now normalized as a society of like waiting and like i just remember the first so we went to costco one once um the second memory i have was like waiting at um a grocery like kind of more of a variety grocery store. So it's called Berkeley Bowl. It has like, it's the upper end, like a nice Whole Foods, but it has so much variety. And I remember like, it was like, it was like watching like um, Black Hawk Down, the rescue scene of just like my wife and I being like, all right, we got to make the list. All right, like make sure you get everything on this list. All right, and then what time are you going to get there? It's like, I'm going to get there at nine. It's like, what time does it open? It's like, it opens at 10. It's senior citizen hours from nine to 10. I'm going to get there early so I can stand in line and then I got to be six feet apart, make sure I bring my mask, wear my gloves. Like, do you have enough bags in the car? Cause like, again, this is California. Like they want to want you to bring your own bag. And um, it's like, do you have hand sanitizer to wipe down the cart? It's like, I don't know. It's like, did you bring your own, like they're out of Purell. They've been out of Purell for like three weeks now. And I just, so we did all that. And I remember just the anxiety of standing in line. This is like Soviet, I, I called it Soviet Berkeley. Like, where am I? This is the, the bread lines of Russia. First world country. First world country. Yeah. It's like, this is unbelievable. And the other feeling I had was, I remember in this, because we've done all, we did all this prep work, go to the grocery store. I just remember getting into the, when I finally got in after waiting two hours, like getting through the door, like this feeling of immense anxiety. Like I didn't realize at the time, I was just like almost panicking. Like, oh, is there going to, like, I got to make sure I grab bread. Like, oh, I, gotta, I, can't, I can't go back. I can't double back. Like, did I, and it wasn't until like I was in this, in this middle section aisle and I was finding like a tomato paste or something. I just remember thinking to myself, like, why am I like, feel like I'm going to have a heart attack. Like what is going on? Like what used to be a pretty mundane activity of going to the grocery store has now like all of a sudden become such a high octane intense. It's like, this is weird. Like it really wasn't just a retrospective moment of like how society has changed so greatly. And I think since then, it's been like the immense concern, at least that we have for going to the grocery store has calmed down. Um, that being said, like, we live like a block away from a grocery store. And it used to be a situation where we would be like, hey, like, let's go, I, I need to grab one thing of milk, like, I need to grab, uh, like, we ran out of apples or something, like, and just going for those one off, like goods. And I think that's out of the question now, right? But there is enough where like you could go two or three times to the grocery store now. Like I think that is, and I think most people, again, like the costs now are so high, like you're not going to wait 30 minutes in line to go buy like 
six apples. Like people now have normalized the idea that like everything's going to be slower. So you just got to make the trip worth it. Um, so that being said, like that was now that we've adjusted and gone through that whole, that whole, like, all right, we got to plan out, like, since we can't do one off trips, like we need to plan out our meals. We need to have um, a good idea of what we're going to be eating in the weeks to come. And we just have to have like an ample storage, like frozen meat, turkey, fruits, veggies, whatever we can store. And then beyond that, like, I think um, a lot of the cooking has been done just kind of like this experiment, ad hoc experimentation, and just kind of like, almost like try one recipe today. And then like, maybe later today, like, you'll try something slightly different or like, branch from there. Um, and I think it's, it's been nice. I feel like we have like in our own little family, like a nice little food culture now. Like I don't feel like, you know, um, what's the saying? It's like Michael Pollan wrote, I think I forgot which book, but he wrote like the question of like, what's for dinner. And that's a very 21st century American saying because like you look at all the other food cultures, like that's not a question, right? Like you eat what, you know, you eat what mama's cooking and mom's cooking. Like that's very gender normative. <laughs> you eat whatever's being cooked and what's being cooked is the local cuisine. So like that wasn't a question. And now because we've lived in a society, one, where you don't have to cook and two, there's so much variety. Like um, that's, that's kind of like, I don't think, until this COVID situation, like, um, like now it's, we still ask the question, but I think like coming up with the answer isn't a stress inducing thought experiment. It's like, all right, like, I'll let, let me look in the fridge. Like, and I sent you a couple pictures, like, um, and I, I think you can tell the story, like the, we just bought pork belly. So to give context to the, to the audience, um, Brian asked me to come on the podcast. I, what was it on? Friday a week or yeah a week or so ago yeah so a week from a week ago and then when he before he asked me I already cooked ramen broth um so we had uh we had short rib one day and then we just saved the bones it was bone in we saved the bones and then um I decided to like throw the throw the bones and make a broth out of it and the broth had already been like it was done and it's already sitting so it's like, I don't know when I'm going to cook this again. This wasn't like a recipe. Like I'm, I'm cooking this and I need all these ingredients. It's like, I already have these basically scraps. What would have been thrown away in a prior time. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, like let's experiment. Like, let's just see what happens if our, you know, like we cooked broth before. Like I've never cooked the, the scrap broth of, of, uh, from the short ribs. So it's like, might as well try it. And we had some good broth. It was already done. I didn't really know when I planned on eating it. Um, and then I was like, all right, like, let's make it into ramen. So I think it was Tuesday, we like finished, like, or I bought the pork belly on like, Friday, I cured it on Saturday or Sunday, like I left one out, I didn't again, like, I didn't know what to do with the rest of it. I didn't know when the meal was going to happen. And then like, on Tuesday, I was like, all right, what do we have left in the fridge? It's like, well, I got some, you know, my pork belly, my ramen broth, like, let's throw it together. And boom, we had ramen. So I sent you that picture on Tuesday. And then Wednesday was like, all right, again, like, what are we looking to do? Like, oh, oh we have leftover pork belly. Um, what else can we got? Like, oh, like some cucumbers, some pickles or cucumbers, carrots. Uh, so then Wednesday night we had pork belly sandwich, those little like Momofuku pork belly. 
Pork buns, right? You made yeah, pork buns. Yeah. Did you steam those buns yourself? Did you make those buns yourself too? Or? So the the buns are frozen, right? Um, buns are frozen, so we steamed them. Um, steam those buns. We had some cuc like my son likes cucumbers, so like we had some left. I was like, all right, let's just dice them and throw them in some vinegar. And again, it wasn't like we followed. We had the rough idea of a recipe, but like again, if one ingredient was missing or was present or missing, like it's easy to once you have the the protein and the buns, like you can swap out like you know, McDonald's style, like, oh, yeah. it's a cheeseburger with lettuce and tomato. Like, oh, I don't have lettuce and tomato. It's just a cheeseburger then. Yeah, I see your arc, though. It's interesting, you know, like you said, from from eating at work fairly mindlessly or whatever sort of served up or some choices mm. there or even dining out to the sort of pandemic, um, you know, uh, scarcity, right, of being in the store and it being sort of either bedlam or um, also fusing with this idea of like, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this well to this now, this home culture of, both, like you said, scraps or things that would have been thrown away to using them and also still fusing that with all these other things of enjoying variety, of wanting something that's quality and enjoyable mm-hmm. and of, you know, and like you said, and now also the nutritional need of eating three times at home. So this yeah. interesting blend here of all these things resulting in you creating, I think, interesting meals. Like you said, you sent me images because I primed you and told you that we'd be um, talking about this stuff. And now I wonder if you're also sort of in your own head a little bit about how these things, not just for you and Shelly, how these things eat and taste and look yourself, but also like, what am I putting together? You're being even more mindful about what it is you're putting together. Because like ramen, that's, I mean, I think I'm food adventurous. I would never really try to cook ramen, I don't think. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's a very, it's a very unique situation, right? And I think, the other component is like just the element of time. Like we're all at home now all all the time. And the idea of like, I think the premise of broth itself, like the ramen broth or any like slow cooker recipe is like, you have to be at home. Um, even if it's just like, I, I throw in the slow, like I guess theoretically you can like turn on the slow cooker, like go to work and come back. It's somewhat of a fire hazard. But like, I think prior to the COVID, like we all constrained ourselves to the idea that we need to eat. and like there's probably a different benchmark for different people but mentally i think if unless you're going out to eat with friends like i think i don't know about you like mentally you just allocate a certain amount of time to eating and it's not that much when you think about it yeah like even the time it took to probably boil and cook down that broth is hours right oh hours. yeah absolutely so like i think prior to the pandemic like the idea of a meal to me would be 30 minutes of eating and maybe 30 minutes, like 15 minutes. Like, I didn't want that to last more than an hour. Like, I got I to gotta put food on the table. Um, we have other things to do. And especially, like, constrained with, like, I'm not at home. Like, you come back. I leave work at 530. I got to commute. I'm back at 630. Like, son has to eat especially. Like, he, he needs to eat by no later than 7. Like, so the amount of time actually available to prepare and cook and eat the meal was very limited. And it could not transition past like other than like the weekends, which again, like you didn't want to spend your whole weekend preparing food. Like the idea, I think just in general, the idea of a, a meal was very constrained to like what is very quick. And that's what people advertise. They don't advertise like this is going to be delicious. It's like, oh, we'll be ready in under five minutes. <laughs> Doesn't matter how delicious it is. So like that, that concept has like really expanded what's, what's available and almost like made it more enjoyable. Yeah. So like just as in this, like the ramen broth was really funny. So I cooked it twice so far. I'm going to cook it again, like later, hopefully later this week. And um, the first time I did it with pig bone and it took like 12 hours, 12 hours, rolling boil. Like you had, you, again, you didn't have to like 
watch it, but you had to be in, in the home. Yeah, you don't want to boil over or burn yeah. or, yeah. So it's just like, you have to be present. Uh, and then again, like given the COVID situation, like, oh, that's easy. Like I am present. Um, the second time we cooked it, I think I had to leave the home. We had like, I think we walked out for our coffee or something. Like we've just stepped out of the, like went for a walk or went to the park. And so like, again, like I remember that one, I woke up at like six or seven in the morning. So I was like, all right, might as well like throw the bones in the onion, the mushroom, the water, like, let's get it going. And then I remember like we laughed. So I turned it off. Right. And then I got back and I forgot about it. And then it was like nine o'clock and I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I got to get ready to go, go to bed. It's like, oh crap, I have this giant pot of ramen broth and I didn't boil it down. That's the other thing. So like I was refilling it and I refilling it and then I turned it off. And then at nine o'clock I was like, all right, now I got to boil this thing down. Like actually I tried to put it in a jar or like a couple containers and it just overfloweth. It overfloweth. <laughs> and I was just like, oh no, like not enough. Like it'd be, it would take up the whole fridge. And it's not like a big pot, but just like the vessels, it just wasn't like, so it's like, I got to boil this down. Hmm. Like Whatever, like this isn't how, you know, a recipe book. So I just dumped it all back in the pot, turned it back on. There's so much water that it took, and it took like an hour and a half. And I was like, it was 1030 at night. And it's like, I still got to let it cool. It's like, screw it, like just pack it up. But it was one of those things again, where it's like, I'm basically preparing a meal for an indefinite date. It took a long time. Like hmm. there was a lot of accidents along the way. Like definitely not something that, in the mentality that we had pre-COVID, if I was going to do this, if I was going to do any kind of prep work, the latest it would be would be for the meal the next day. And in this situation, it was like how it came together to make this one meal uh, was just like happenstance. So yeah, it's a very interesting. And then the element of time, again, like that's that's been probably the greatest luxury we have right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. What was it? Um, I think what shocked me is broth. Like the, the cost of broth and I think what you're, what you're paying for is just time, right? Like your broth makers, I think it's funny. Like I thought about this with ramen too. Cause like you look at the constituent ingredients in ramen and they're all very cheap, right? Like um, broth is, broth is the longest in volume. Broth is the biggest piece, but it's essentially just bone water, like scraps uh, or American scraps, Western standards, like you're doing easily just in the garbage. Uh, and then like most of the vegetables, I think, are just like, maybe some carrot or celery, onion, mushrooms in the broth. Um, the pork belly is the cheapest cut of meat, like three, four dollars a pound. Um, and then the vegetables, like vegetables, they're not anything crazy, like what is it? Maybe carrots, cucumbers. Um, so I was always like, I think what started, so going back to your question, like why ramen or you never thought of it is like, I love that we had a great ramen restaurant right around the corner. Actually, this is a sticking memory of me coming out to, uh, California and like my, the, did I make the right decision? Um, so in Norfolk, there's a restaurant called Al Alkaline. It's on 21st street, highly recommended for anybody who's listening, who's in Norfolk, Virginia. It's in a 21st street. It used to be in a butcher shop and the butcher shop would convert to this like ramen restaurant at night. Uh, and then they started their own place, uh, got their own freestanding location. So like I would eat there with Harrison, like at least once a week, you know, it'd be one part of our rotation of like, Hey, like, you know, if Shelly's working or I have to provide sustenance, like, like let's go to this ramen shop. And it was like, 
I think 12, 13, $14 a bowl. Like it was the best ramen I've ever eaten. Um, not that I'm like super worldly and I've tried so much ramen, but like, it's just like, it's so good. It's tasty. They're so quick. Service is good. Like you go there often enough, you get them like people recognize you, they know your order. Um, so it's very homey in that aspect, but like the food quality was just amazing. Uh, quick, fast, and like very delicious. Um, and it was like 12, $13. And I thought like, man, like it, this, like it would just had a feeling of home to me in Norfolk. So again, when I flew out to California, I moved here by myself. The first night, actually, when I landed, I checked into a hostel um, and it was like a San Francisco city hostel, like very rundown building and close to the Tenderloin. So it's just like the environment wasn't that great. I, I got there at night. I had no idea where I was, where I was. I've never been to San, I don't think I've ever been to San Francisco in my like adult memory. Like I've been there as a child, but I don't remember it. Um, so like, I'm in a very like foreign place. And so like the first thing I'd have to do is find food. So I like whip out the phone and just Google places to eat around here. There's a lot of like Asian cuisine. So I find this ramen restaurant, like down the street, across the street, um, in the basement. So I go there and the, and I'm expecting, I guess my expectation was a taste of, since I'm so far away. And I love ramen, the ramen shop in Norfolk. My expectation was to taste the same, kind of have the same sensation of taste and level of cuisine. And, you know, maybe simplistically, I think I was thinking like, I'm in a big city. In, I'm in a big city that is known for its like Asian, like culture, like the Chinatown, um, the large, like I'll, I'll tell your listeners, there's not that many Asian people in Norfolk, Virginia. So like the the cross of like the high quality of ramen in a place that is predominantly just Southern American was like very un unexpected. So I, my expectations were set unrealistically high for landing in San Francisco in a like the restaurant was run by that's what I assumed were Japanese people. But my expectations were very high and I paid like 18, 20 dollars for this bowl. and the there was just sheer disappointment when i got it it was like low quality broth the pork belly wasn't that good the noodles were okay the seasoning was very topical like it felt like they just added it right before they threw it into the broth and so like i was just so greatly disappointed and you know like i get it like it's it's in the basement like there's a reason for that like rents are really high like you have to cut corners to save costs like you don't have the luxury of time and space and everything and that was like this i still remember that meal and that just not so much the taste of it but the feeling of just like having a the dissonance of like what my expectations were like where i came from what my expectations were what i was delivered and like just being just feeling like what where am i like i'm i'm not anywhere close to home and i'm eating this meal that doesn't taste anywhere like what it should what it should taste like you know it's it's ultimately like it's it's weird what you associate looking back on it like you know you associate memories and feelings with food and it's almost like at a level beyond the taste of the food um so that's i think that's where my like fascination with ramen has has and again like the formative stages of like this was the feeling of like the the funny memory was like harris when he was old enough probably like at a year or so right around a year and he started eating like human food um 
it would just again like that's this what we talked about earlier in the podcast of like what life was like and you we it would be like i come home i pick him up from daycare we have to go get food so again like we have like 30 minutes or 45 minutes to eat so uh, again this ramen place was the perfect like it they were so quick and i kind of made this joke with him i called it the noodle bar because basically i'd have him in the stroller and there's a bar that goes across the stroller in front like right around belly level and i would fish out noodles and put it on the noodle on the bar and he would grab the noodles and eat them and he loved it so i would say like we'd always go out like that was a memory like formative like this was one of his first meals he loved ramen noodles um and so we don't and then like again like the people there would like know to bring out the extra plate like after a few times they would know to bring out the extra plate extra bowl like come in like my routine was always come in you know what i'm going to order give me the check right away so i can like pay and then like the food would come right after the check feed harrison and then we'd be out like no need to say goodbye or wait for the check or anything so that's probably why like i'm so attached you've really <laughs> unpacked my emotional yeah yeah um so yeah now we try to now we're trying to replicate that that taste that we have not yet found in in the area yeah in the area or in your home kitchen that sounds like yeah not yeah not quite yet in the home kitchen but i might be i might be putting it at a level like i think time Time is a fine vintage. It just makes it mm-hmm. tastier. Um, so true. I can't wait to, I do look forward to the, maybe going back and getting a taste. Maybe, maybe I have gotten it to the same level. I just can't remember it properly. And this concludes another episode of What's Eating You. A heartfelt thanks to Dan, Shelly, and young Harrison for letting me inside their culinary home. Take care, and we'll talk soon.